I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Absolutely. You know that's it. You asked me that question. You know, that was a good. This is we needed this bye week. We needed this bye week to, re, to just to reset. These kids haven't had a chance to reset. They they had to go from here to here, and then here it wasn't like it wasn't Oklahoma Panhandle coming in here. It was OU coming in here. So let's be real about it, okay? So yeah, that was it was a good bye week. Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, it's good just to work, you know work on what we need to work on as a team, and um, obviously emotionally, and yeah, I continue to like believe in Coach Joseph, which we all do. Hello here and welcome to this edition of the Husker Online Show, bi-week edition. Sean Callahan, Steve Sippel, Robin Washett. Um, just a reminder, check out HuskerOnline.com. We've got a great podcast channel, YouTube channel. Like, subscribe to all of ours. Also, go on HuskerOnline.com. We've got a great promotional special going on. Uh, get all of our content on there for $10 a year right now. Uh, we have added thousands of new members here in the last few weeks uh, join the mini and check out huskaronline.com. But let's get right to it, guys. Um, a lot of news this week, um, bye week. You heard Mickey Joseph kind of saying great time for the bye. Um, I don't know, Sipple, if, if this team could handle much more adversity. I mean, when you think about what's happened over a seven-day stretch from Frost to Shenander, Oklahoma game in between, Georgia Southern game the previous Saturday, I, I think it's a good thing they're not playing on Saturday. Probably. That's a lot. <clears throat> I, I know I, I hear from fans that say, hey, get over that whole thing that the players, it's a lot for the players to deal with. I, I think it's a lot for the players to deal with. They lost, they lost their head coach. Then they lost the top, the head coach's top lieutenant. I mean, that's, that's a lot. That's very tumultuous. I'm sure their heads are spinning. Um, so, yeah, yeah, no. I asked the question of Mickey, it's pretty obvious, but I just wanted to hear what he what I wanted to hear it in his words and how emphatic he was with that answer. Says everything you need to know. I think everybody just needed a week to to step away and just regroup mentally, physically, have some time to actually reevaluate things as opposed to just being thrown into it the Sunday of a game week leading up to the number six team in the country. Like, you know, I, I think that there's a, a tremendous value in so many ways just to be able to to, to breathe and <laughs> kind of take a deep breath and just look things over with a uh, you know calmer demeanor than just the, the whirlwind that was last week. Yeah, there's so much emotion when you look at just how that game and the week was. I mean, Nebraska came out with a great opening drive. They had a pretty good start defensively, yeah. but then the reality just kind of kicked in. And I f- Well, the pass rush kicked in. I felt like – Oklahoma pass rush kicked in. They Oklahoma played them very simple out of the gates, and then they started to adjust and, and – now, they didn't blitz as much as you think. A lot of it was just stunting and movement up front that caused you know people just to not block people. I mean, there were there were times where the tackle would look inside and a guy just ran on his outside untouched. And Casey Thompson has no chance in those situations. But I thought that period Saturday when they they gave up three sacks over a five play span. Which, which, yeah, which wasn't long after the sixty one yard touchdown scramble, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the game started getting away from them after Dylan Gabriel 
somehow, somehow scrambled 61 yards for a touchdown, and then the sack started. Coming. And then if you look at the replay of that, it, it almost looked like guys like gave up on the play. Like it was like they were tagging off or just like you know like. Oh, yeah, that's what I heard. I mean, it was a bad. Uh, somebody on Husker Online's message board shared the the, the replay of it, and mm-hmm. you know, it kind of just looked like guys were jogging in practice, not finishing the tackle out, and it, that wasn't a good look. Yeah, and you know, that kind of goes back to this whole conversation about the way Nebraska tackles and the way they practice tackling, and just the mentality they have towards the most fundamental aspect of playing defense. And it looked like it on that. When Miles Farmer comes after the game and says what he says about tagging off for the last four years, they look like the team that have been tagging off for the last four years. And Mickey Joseph on Tuesday said that, you know, since he'd been here, the tackling that they did was in the scrimmages. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, he, he confirmed it. And so you've got players, coaches, all saying that they don't tackle or didn't tackle enough uh and you know plays like that are a perfect example of of what the result of that is mm-hmm. you're listening here to the husker online show sean callahan steve sipple robin washett as we're picking up the pieces here and bill bush will be the defensive coordinator sip and you've had some great interviews and insight you've known bill bush for a long time uh, you talked to barry alvarez and did you get a hold of kyle winningham today i have not talked to him today i um, will later but you got kyle winningham coming up but what can you tell our listeners about this move and why Bill Bush made the most sense to step in um, in this situation where he wasn't even a defensive position coach? No, but he's been a defensive coordinator at two stops, Rutgers and Utah State. He, I mean, he has the most coordinator experience of anybody left on the staff. That's, that's one. Familiarity with Mickey's two. Uh, Mickey was the wide receivers coach at LSU while Bush was a safeties coach there. They were both there together for three years from 2018 to 2020. So there's familiarity. They went, they went at each other mm-hmm. in practice. And, and Mickey did on Tuesday say that people thought that they didn't like each other. And I've heard people say that. I, I've had people say that to me. You know, Mickey and Bill don't like each other. That's not true. But they did. I think it does, it does get pretty heated. Yeah. I'm sure when you get two competitive personalities like that literally going – head-to-head against each other receivers versus safeties you're going to get a lot of that and i think that's that's good, good. it shows that while things got maybe heated between them or whatever it was on the field there was a high level of mutual respect between them off of it mm-hmm. and i think they probably looked at each other they made each other better well, by going this, against each other yeah this is big i mean this those are the two guys leading the program now i mean mickey joseph and bill bush are leading the program they're trying to lead them out of the muck, mm-hmm. and a good. I mean, it's got it's big job, a really hard job. But Bill also, I mean, you know, the year I'll tell you what, the year that is really amazing on Bill's resume is 2014. He was not a defensive coordinator, but he was at Wisconsin under Aranda, and that defense was number one in the nation for much of the season. It's a team that went 11 and three, and he coached the the safeties, the nickels the dimes, and the outside linebackers. Bill had 40 guys in his room for the number one defense in the country. Now, they lost to Ohio State 59-0 in the Big Ten championship game, and Gary Anderson stepped down. And then we went to Oregon State to coach. It was very odd. Um, and then they went and won the bowl game. They won a bowl game. Barry Alvarez, Barry coached Alvarez the bowl game. coaching. Yeah, they, beat very, Al- they beat Auburn. That's that's the most intriguing year that, in my opinion, that Bills had. I don't know what he'd say, but it was. I thought it was intriguing. Well, and he. I mean, I think he 
was really close to being retained on Paul Chris's staff too, right? I mean, like oh, I'm sure yeah. it was like a, I mean, he, he could almost still be at Wisconsin right now. Yeah, he's been around a lot, um, and I'm not sure what the dynamics were. Well, the dynamics after that, I mean, Anderson left, so you're saying he could have been retained. Well, I he suppose. he yeah, he was up until signing day, and then after signing day, um, Chris let him go. Okay, so anyway, yeah, Bills had quite a a run, and then he ends up at LSU. Which was good. I mean, they got national. He got national title ring out of. It. And by the way, and Joe Burrow. Yeah, he stood on the table for Joe Burrow. I mean, he's the one who told Ed Orgeron, "This is the guy we got to get." I mean, this is absolutely the guy we got to get. Joe as, Burrow. As, as we wrap up this opening segment, I mean, just think about this: new head coach, new offensive coordinator, and new defensive coordinator from a year ago to now. Oh. And I mean, so it, it's almost like they are a new team, mm-hmm. a new staff, new player. I mean, it's. It's weird, I mean, to say that this is still like the Frost team right now because it's so many new players with so many new coaches, new generals leading the Army. Everything about this, you know, going forward for these final eight games, it, it's it's literally an interim staff at this point. What, what I will say about those two, except to your point about those guys now being the, the ones in charge of, of leading Nebraska out of this situation is of the options available – I personally wouldn't want any other two guys as just because I mean, for one, I think they're good coaches, but two, they are far and away the best motivators on that team. Good guys, point. players rally around yeah. Bill Bush and Mickey Joseph. They say the things and they push the right buttons to, I think, to get the most out of players. Good and point. so you look at the situation Nebraska's in right now, having those two guys and those two voices in charge of your team and uh, in a sense, your offense and then your defense. Good point. I think that's, a huge value to try to just keep this thing from from unraveling any further. All right, when we come back, we're going to get more into the offense and talk about what we've seen through four games, what can be corrected, um, and some other storylines that have happened. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Like I said on Saturday, that's on me. I should have slowed the ball down and huddled and took some possessions away from Oklahoma, and I didn't do that, and that's on me. But they respond. They responded great today. They responded great yesterday. It was too late when I thought about it. It's 35-7. I should, have, I should have made that decision on Thursday. That's why I said it's on me. I made that mistake, and I can own it. I can own it. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robin Washett, as you heard Mickey Joseph talking about having some regrets with Nebraska's offensive game plan. Uh, before we get to that, this segment of the program brought to you by Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill. I was going to be in there this week. Um, you know, it's a great place. Go go into Tanner's, 30th and Yankee Hill. Watch all the bye week football, Thursday night football, Friday night college football, Saturday all day college football, Sunday NFL, Monday night football. Get into Tanner's. Best wings in Lincoln. I like the char buffed. What do you like, Rob? What are your Tanner's go tos? Yeah, char buff uh, with the. 
I usually get that. Or what, what's the? Uh, don't they have like a spicy garlic or something like that? Oh yeah, I'm hey, into that. Making me hungry. Sweet chili. We still got to get you Sweet out. Sweet chili there. wings are that's vaulting up my list. Sweet chili mm-hmm. wings. Mm-hmm. That does. And sound they have good. a very good Reuben sandwich at Tanner's. Good job, Sean. All right, Tanner's. Sean, that's another world. I'm. A, I live in North Lincoln. That's like another <laughs> town. You don't cross the tracks. That's another town. All right. Well, I want to get into this drive chart, and because we we talked about Nebraska and their possessions. And after their opening drive, by the way, their six-play, 77-yard opening drive was only a minute and 57 seconds. So then they go 128, 308, 114, 118. Turnover and downs. They had a really nice drive where Anthony Grant got tackled short. 11 plays, 57 yards, 434. Then Nebraska goes 204, 144, six seconds, 105, 155. Turnover and downs, 315, 133. Nebraska, when you take out that one drive where Anthony Grant was tackled on turnover on downs, um, all of their drives essentially were between one and three minutes long the entire game. And that takes a toll on your defense. Right. And I th- I'm sure I'm sure there was discussion on the side. side. I, well, I, and and we when I say I'm know. sure, yeah, we know. <laughs> there, I mean, I think it got pretty heated down there at times. Um, like, what was Whipple thinking at that point? Like, I mean, it, I mean you just wonder, like – it's a team game. Like, are you helping your defense out by trying to, you know, and the offensive line was clearly not in a position to protect. So I don't know what would have worked, but they, they needed to probably slow it down. They, they could not get into a 14-drive game with Oklahoma and have a chance. Yeah, and again, I, I, that's probably my theory on, on why they tried to keep the, the tempo what it was, was they, they knew the only way they were going to compete in that game was in a shootout. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if they – slow it down, start doing more ball control. You know, maybe they viewed that as conceding defeat. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, in retrospect, clearly Mickey Joseph thought the same way. Um, they probably should have had a better – or not better – a more conservative game plan to as opposed to try to get in a track meet with Oklahoma because clearly they were, they were outmanned in a lot of ways. I can't say that I was up in the press box saying they need to slow this yeah, game that's down. that's why I said in retrospect. Yeah. It happened quickly. I mean, yeah, it did. That's the thing, Rob. Like Rob, we were talking off air, Sean, and Rob said he probably dawned on him at thirty-five to seven. You know, they were down thirty-five to seven. Yeah. It, it didn't dawn on me at any point. Like, like when, I, they, when they were still attacking, you were like, "All right, yeah, they're they're trying to keep this a game." But you know, again, <laughs> defense playing the way it was. Uh, yeah, I mean, in, in retrospect, you look back on it, that thing could have been at least a little bit more optically uh, balanced than it was. You just think about last year, though, the way Nebraska played Oklahoma. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, they slowed it down. I mean, it was 25 pass attempts from Adrian Martinez, and they ran the ball fairly well. Uh, they ran the ball, let's see, 38 rushing attempts. Okay. So um, total plays, what's 38 plus 25, whatever that. Um, so, I mean, they kept the play count way down. Like a year ago. 63. 63. A year ago, Oklahoma uh, 30, uh, ran 69 plays for 408. And, you know, it was the first time Oklahoma had been held under 27 points. In how many years? It was like over ten. It was a long time. It was a long. It was a long time. Yeah, I. It's, it's interesting. I mean, I. I. I don't sit up there in the press box and evaluate the game like a coach. Maybe I should do more of that. But again, it never occurred to me that they should slow it down. I mean, would it make you feel better if it was like the Bill Callahan USC, USC. game where? Mm. The score look. The final score looked okay, but that game was never competitive in L.A. Yeah, yeah. No, here's the thing. I remember the conversation that night, and then in subsequent days, it we was were Nebraska of them not even trying. Right, Nebraska went there to keep the game close, exactly. and it angered people. Yeah, 
that so that's the people. flip side to that conversation is you can knock them in retrospect for you know having a, a rushed offense that you know was putting their defense in bad positions but you know at least they were on the attack they yeah. were they were trying to keep pace the la media i'll still never forget um went after bill in that press conference mm-hmm. like tj simers and, and some of the bigger la yeah what was um, your game plan and they said why did you go in a shell bill like what were you trying to do you he, know like, what were you trying to do and i remember his quote i remember it like it was yesterday to win the game you bet he just kept saying to win the game you bet what's funny is that was my plan, to win the game. Last year's Oklahoma game and this year's game, it kind of was like the USC because year one of Oklahoma, Nebraska slowed it down, mm-hmm. kept it close. Nebraska lost by seven, but they, they were handled. like they, 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 they had a chance, but not really. Mm-hmm. And then year two of that USC game, Nebraska opened it up, and they got handed. They lost by 17 that year as well, but it was a bigger bl- – it felt like way more. Was that only 17? Yeah, both, both were 17-point losses. But you know what happened – in that final year, 2007, that destroyed Nebraska's season. They tried to go toe-to-toe with USC and got physically assaulted. And then Ball State and almost so, beat them the next week. Right. They got Robin, they got physically assaulted. And 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 then and then they were they were they were never the same emotionally or mentally. Or physically. Bill said that in retrospect. That season went to hell because they tried to go toe-to-toe with USC. Mm-hmm. But now here's the thing, guys. That USC team in 07 is a different animal than this Oklahoma team. Right. There's no way this Oklahoma team is as good as that USC team. No. No way. But, but they're also significantly better than this Nebraska team. That's true. True. Significantly. Yeah. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as uh, we're talking offensive storylines. A.J. Allen out for the year. Collarbone injury. Had surgery this week. Four games. And I'll tell you what, Sipple. You know, if you're opposing coaches looking at the situation in Nebraska, not knowing what's going on, he becomes kind of an attractive name to follow. You know what? You know, and Brian Applewhite's why he came to Nebraska. Yeah. You, Sean, you just people don't want to hear that. But I'm just saying, that kid had a great four games. Coaching change going on here. He's redshirted. Oh, I, you're he's, exactly right. He's a four for four. Yeah. Oh and my God. His four games were a maximized four games. Yeah. I mean, how he, how much is he getting recruited right now? Or his oh, high school coach or. You know, if Brian Applewhite is not on the staff next year, it'll be hard to keep him, yeah, in my I just, opinion. I just don't see it. God, that's a part of college football that's really hard to reconcile in my brain, that he's being recruited right now. And maybe he's not, but people, oh, around, come on. But people around him are... Call, calls are being made, not yeah. not to him, but to people well, that can get to him. Mickey's going to Louisiana this week. Yeah. So, I, I that think... Might one, more, that might be why. That might be one reason. They're going to watch... Um, a game from his high school. I think they're uh, Lance Hurd's on that team, and I know they're going to see that game. So uh, Mickey will be around his high school people, I believe, this week. Okay. So that will be something to watch for a lot of guys. Yeah. I mean, what? I mean, there'll be other guys that could potentially. I mean, this thing, like I told somebody, we're like in chapter two of like a twenty-five chapter book right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, chapter one is Frost getting fired. Chapter two is Shenander. Okay. And we're we're not here in chapter three. Mickey's right now. Mickey's yeah yeah you're right. I, I just hope people understand. AJ Allen, by the way, looks like now he's pressing Anthony Grant. I mean, he's got to be pressing him in practice. I say that all the time. There's no way he's not pressing him in practice because they're giving him they're giving him reps in critical parts of games. Oklahoma had to be like, who's this guy? Yeah, mm-hmm. he almost looked better than Grant on Saturday. I thought. Their no, points. I agree. And it's it's the way that 
he runs, for as young as he is, his vision and ability to always find that seam to turn a three to four yard run to a eight to ten yard run. Uh, his, his just we keep using the word knifing through defense. That's what he, how he runs. That jumps out to me. I mean, he's, he's, he's got that shift. He's got some toughness. He's able to burst to the outside, but his vision as a runner to fall forward on almost every play, mm-hmm. like just like Anthony Grant, he doesn't lose yardage. Uh, there's a lot to like about that kid. And yeah. this, this injury was probably as disappointing just because of his ceiling and what he could mean to this offense uh, as anyone. Yeah. You're All right. right. When we come back, we're going to shift over to defense. We'll talk more about um, Shenander's firing and kind of what's next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Shane's a good man and a good coach, but the numbers didn't add up. I didn't see us getting better. For four weeks, I didn't see us getting better from week one to week four. I had to make a decision, the best decision for the kids because it's about the boys, so I had to make the best decision for the boys. Start with fundamentals, lining up, getting lined up, tackling, you know, being in your gap, being where you're supposed to be in your coverage. So it just goes back to basic fundamentals. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Steve Sippel, as you just heard from interim head coach Mickey Joseph on why he parted ways with defensive coordinator Eric Chenander. And you get the sense, Sippel, that this, I don't know, maybe I'm way off on this, but this was almost done maybe a week ago. Like he kind of knew this is where it was probably going to head. But letting go of your head coach is already a lot. And then doing the coordinator on the same day would have been – a lot to take in on Oklahoma week. Right. And so I, you're I, saying after Georgia Southern. But they, I mean. If they would have, if they would have whacked Frost and, well, they could, Mickey couldn't have because he wasn't, he wasn't, the time, the timing element didn't add up, Sean. I go back, I asked Treb this, was, did any, was anybody else has been relieved of their duties? Right. And Treb did kind of stumble a little bit and say, you're going to have to talk to Mickey Joseph on that. So I think, the conversation they kind of knew where it was heading in my opinion because the georgia southern game is a game that should get you fired 642 um you know yards Yards. stadium record against a year one offense the oklahoma game was on everybody yeah it wasn't just on the defense well yes and no i mean those games back to back you could say should get 128th that can get you fired 128th total defense through four games they're not stopping the run or pass that's what i keep emphasizing it's usually not like that that's sort of odd guys i mean usually a defense can be okay in one or the other they're not okay in either which is a little odd and they had some holes to fill no doubt i mean with the production and just experience they lost from last season but they also brought a lot back to where yeah. i mean we've talked about this plenty of times like the defense was fairly far down our list of preseason concerns just because we there were enough known entities on that side of the ball that I had certainly did not foresee it being nearly this type of level of disaster so that that's been as surprising as anything and to your point I mean they, this they're 
incompetence in every area to stop the run, to rush the passer, to cover a pass one-on-one, to make an open field tackle. I mean, all like all the basics of defense, they are struggling so much at that. You just got to wonder why, what, 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 there's one reason what happened. There's one reason. And I would never, I'm not going to call out any players, but I, I can easily think of four or five veteran types who have been in the program for three plus years, three or more that just haven't progressed. And in fact, a couple, a couple that I'm thinking about right now have regressed. They haven't gotten any. In fact, they're not. Not only are they not better, it looks like they've gotten a little worse. Mm-hmm. Now that's that's pretty damning, but it's true. There's four at or five all three guys. levels. Yeah, there's yeah exactly. Well, and I talked to a, a player on last year's defense, and yes. he said the difference is, you know, guys are being asked to be frontline stars now that weren't frontline stars before. You know, they they lost all the frontline guys for the most part that that were the stars. Now these guys that are being asked to elevate, they're, they're just they haven't been able to. They weren't ready. They weren't ready. I mean, even you know, hate to say it, Garrett Nelson has not like been what you thought he would be. Nope. he hasn't in that role. And I think we thought he'd be better than Ben Stilley. Yeah, and yes. Ben Stilley's way been way more productive. Yeah, Stilley almost made the fifty three with the Miami Dolphins. He's obviously pretty talented. Um, you, you're missing Stilly. You're missing Damian Daniels. JoJo. JoJo at nickel was a big loss. He he got to places. He JoJo's fast. playing 20 special team snaps a game for the Colts right yeah, now. Yeah, he's on an he's on a 53. That's all. That's all you need to know. He's on a 53. You know those those safeties were big losses. Dante Williams and Markel Dismuke. They're thumpers, and, and Dante Williams was more than a thumper. Markel's mostly just a thumper, but but Deontay was a player, and Cam Taylor Britt's a second round pick. I mean. Mm-hmm. And, and those guys were speed, too. JoJo got to places. Cam Taylor-Britt was fast, fast. And Dante Williams was fast. Be, fast. Think I mean, about that pick against Michigan. Yeah, he was fast. He got to places. He was a bullet. They're missing that speed, I think, a little bit. Well, just playmaking. I mean, yeah. Guys being able to go and make an open field tackle, to be able to play the ball on a mm-hmm. one-on-one route and not be completely lost in coverage, right. uh, and to be able to beat, win a one-on-one battle in the pass rush. I mean, mm-hmm. those are the things that they're missing right now is – the guys that they need the most to step up and be defensive playmakers are uh, on the milk carton for most of games to where they're not making much of an impact at all. Yeah, I think – I mean, there's a couple of things here, guys. After Ireland rattled that team. Nebraska's rattled. They were. I, I've talked a lot about it, but that, that chance encounter I had with Eric Chenander outside Memorial Stadium the Wednesday after the Northwestern loss – I saw genuine fear in his eyes, and I and I said to Sean, "I don't think he has any answers here. I don't think he has answers. He had, he didn't he didn't he didn't. The last three games have showed he doesn't really have answers. Yeah, that became yeah. I mean, I, it'd be hard to look this up, but it might be statistically the worst four game stretch of defense in the program's history. Yeah, and it's not like they were playing great teams. And this is not like the '07 Big Twelve where you you saw right. it's not Todd like, Reesing, Colt McCoy, Mike Gundy, and USC all in a row. <laughs> Oh, and, and Brady Hoke with with um, Nate Davis. I mean, yeah, yeah. You, you, that Paul State team was good. Yeah, it was. Oh, yeah. I mean, and Brady Hoke was coaching. So, mm-hmm. well, you could almost compare Georgia Southern to like that Ball State team. You had a lead, you kind of had a good yeah. head coach with a good quarterback. Clay there were plenty of comparisons being made during that game. Like this is this is Nebraska's Ball State. The only difference is they didn't win it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and 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 we should mention that Georgia Southern came back the next 
last week and lost yes. to UAB. I mean, that, that the nightmare just sort of continued that. Oh, last and, week. and um, Northwestern lost to Southern Illinois. Right. Yeah. Not I mean, in basketball, football. The other <laughs> opponent scores all last week left. I mean, as if the red flags weren't waving enough, there was a few more that popped up. Yep. I just don't know what you. I think you have to be simple with what you try to fix. Like you can't go in and say we're going to correct everything. What are two or three things that you can do that can make us just better in some area? Not not significantly better, but just better. Well, Mickey kind of hinted at them. Fundamentals, okay. lining up right. I, I mean, Sip, we've talked about this before, Sean too. This pre-snap confusion. <laughs> Guys don't know where to go. We, we they don't know again. where they're supposed to be. We saw it again. We Almost saw it against play. North Dakota. Yeah, we saw it against North Dakota. And then it rematerialized, I thought, against Oklahoma. Yes. We're and seeing it a lot. When yes. Mickey's looking at it, that's what he's looking at. Yeah. It's like, so huh. that you can fix that. You should be able to fix that. So. And, and then tackling. I mean, that, that it's going to take more than a week of tackling and practice to get better at that. So maybe over the course of the bye, over the course of Indiana week and so on, you'll start to see gradual improvement in that area as guys become more accustomed to actually tackling live ball carriers. All right, when we come back, uh, we're going to jump into the mailbag segment. Abby Barmore will join us here in studio. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. We're going to recruit like we're going to be here. That's the, that's the right thing to do. So we're going to send coaches out on Wednesday. They're going to be out Wednesday night. Then Thursday and Friday they'll recruit. They'll get back in here on Saturday. The ones who don't have a game, I'll, I'll be on the road Friday. I'll be in Monroe on Friday, be in New Orleans on Saturday. I'll be back here Sunday. No, we're going to, we're going to do the job the right way. We're going to do things the right way here. We're not going to sabotage the place knowing saying that we might not be here. The, the best thing to do and the most professional thing to do is to do things the right way. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show, bi-week edition. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robin Washed. as uh, we're taking your questions here in the mailbag segment now. Abby Barmore joining us here. You heard Mickey Joseph talking about the bi-week recruiting plans. Abby, you got any bi-week plans? A lot of volleyball coming up. Oh, yeah. So you, no bi-week on that beat. Yeah. No, no bi-week. Never a bi-week for volleyball. Sean, you expect us to work every single day. That's what she's doing. <laughs> oh. Stop. 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 Send help. <laughs> All right, what do you Rob, got? What do you got? resonated with them, Sean. <laughs> what do you got? What do you got? All right, so our first question. If it doesn't work out with Mickey, what are the odds that he stays on staff under the new head coach given the opportunity, and would anyone else be retained? It's a great question because I, I think – if it goes well and there's some momentum for him to get the job and he doesn't get the job, then all of a sudden, like, it, it, it's kind of a tough situation, right, at that point. If, you know, if he really wanted the job and doesn't get it. Well, I mean, they could they could smooth that out with money, <laughs> right? They yeah. could. I mean, and they could say, well, we would gladly take you as an associate head coach. And we'll bump your pay. They, they, yeah, it won't bump your pay to $1.2 million. That would That would solve some problems, right? <laughs> Yeah, that would go a long way. And keep in mind, like, there's a lot to like about him as uh, whatever position would be on staff with his recruiting ties, connection to the program, uh, the relationships that he's built, obviously, in his 
national recruiting areas, but also locally as well. I think he's gone a long way into establishing bridges with local coaches. And, uh, you know, I, I think that there's just a lot of a lot of boxes that he would check for what you were looking for in that position. One bar- big one that we should note, he could recruit this roster. Yeah. I mean, that's it. I mean, I, I would when I think of retaining Mickey, that's the number one thing I think of. He can keep he can keep AJ Allen here. Yep. You know, he Trey can, Palmer, Trey Palmer, Marcus Washington. Right. Maybe Casey Thompson comes back. I mean, yeah, right. But then the other, you know, other coaches coming back. I think Brian Applewhite oh. has to be looked at as a priority. Yep. Anthony Grant, AJ Allen. Yeah. Ryle will be in the conversation, I think, as a newer guy. And then Bill Bush. I mean, I think there's four people. I don't know if I, I don't know what Whipple's plans are and where he'll, he fits in this, but I think the four I mentioned would be the only four that have a chance. Yeah, I think you need guys that can help you in recruiting, and uh, the two guys for certain you mentioned with Mickey and Brian Applewhite for sure, and Bush and, and Bush, Bush. Uh, would, would certainly fit that criteria. And Raiola, you know, the line has to play better, but you know, I'm just throwing him in there because he's a new guy, new face that wasn't really around, so we'll see where that all goes. What position group, if any, will have the biggest depth chart change after the bye week? Hmm. Depth chart change, which position group? Hmm. Secondary. Yes. Good one, Sean. Yeah, because the lines, I don't know what more they could do than what they've already done. We've kind of talked about it. They've already rotated a lot, especially on the defensive line. Um, last week in particular, uh, you know, you saw guys like Mosai Newsom play the most snaps he's played as a Husker. Uh, and then... You know, linebacker, I just don't know what, what else they have there to even put on the field. So secondary is kind of, especially on defense, kind of the one untapped depth that they haven't really gone to with the amount of snaps those starters have played. Sean, I think in-house, Sean, Robin, Abby, I think in-house they feel like the secondary is their biggest issue right now. Um, it, it, it doesn't always – we don't always talk about it that way. It seems like that's become the biggest Corner, issue. safety, and nickel. Yeah. Yes. All five. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when you say nickel, I know we mentioned on the Monday Night Husker Online Rundown show, Kane Williams, like mm-hmm. he could move into the nick. You could see that. I, that's what I'm hearing. What about Kolarovich back to inside linebacker? I think you have to be open to a lot if you're the if you're Bill Bush right now. I think you got to be open to a lot of discussion. And yeah, I mean that would be one thing. But Rob's right. I mean, it's it's, it's sort of limited what they can do. I mean, you, that you, they haven't already done. Like, right. no, is Noah Polagate just so far out of it? Like, I don't know. Like, that's that, a good that, question. That's one that we don't know. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's he's behind Phelan Sanford right now in that yeah. rotation. So I mean, that that says everything I need to know. What is Mickey's number one priority right now? And does Trev want him mm. to stabilize things for the next coach or start focusing on his future? I mean, the number keep, one priority: keeping it respectable. I mean, yeah. one and eleven, two and ten. Nebraska's never had a double-digit loss season. Think about that. And they say that again. They've never had a double-digit loss season. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Okay, so I break it down this way. I know you got to. I, I just think you always have to try to do this as much as you can. Put yourself in the shoes of the principles you're talking about. If I'm Mickey, I'm all about just figuring any way I can to beat Indiana. Big picture, small picture. Yeah, you, I think you you. You, you, you kind of remove yourself from that a little bit this week and get into it more this week. But this week, even on an off week, I'm thinking about Indiana all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to get a win. 
I mean, just anything we can do to get a W is, is what I'm Put a game about. plan together that helps your team. I'm not thinking. Yeah. You know what I'm not doing? I'm not thinking about Mickey Joseph and Mickey Joseph. I'm not thinking about my future. I mean, all I'm thinking about is is the next game and winning. Mm-hmm. That's all that matters. Don't put a game plan together that your defense has no chance to win. And he admitted that after the Oklahoma game. Like, they, you know, 14 possessions on offense with only two of them producing points. Not very many defenses are going to come out on that on top, and definitely not Nebraska right now. I'll give you credit, Sean. You were all over that on Sunday or Saturday, really, after the game, that you thought they should have slowed down. 12 consecutive empty possessions, multiple possessions that went under two minutes. Yeah. And I guess the counter to that is, in my opinion, the only way they were going to win that game with the way the defense was playing was by winning a shootout. And so – in order to win a shootout, you got to stay aggressive on offense. Yeah, and so it was just kind of just compounded on top. Well, they of couldn't each other. drop Thompson back. Though. Yeah, I, mean, I know they were. They were. I don't know what if there was a right solution because they couldn't do anything right. What players are you looking at to prove themselves during the bye week? Hmm. Hold on, let me think. Turner Corcoran. Yeah, I would look at the offensive line. Um, you know, I mean, obviously they've they've got to move on without Teddy Turner. Certainly in that conversation, Teddy Prohaska. Uh Williams, maybe is he a guy that could vault up? Uh, Kevin in, Williams into the offensive line rotation. Travis Volkolek, if he can get healthier these two weeks now, because two weeks between games, he wasn't all the way healthy, guys. Like Mm-mm. that wasn't a, that wasn't a full Travis Volkolek on Saturday. Can if he can come back healthier, oh. just that check down option he gives you over the middle, that's big. Hey, you know, the, you know who you're talking. Oh, I'm sorry, Rob. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, what about the cornerbacks, too? Yeah. Uh, you know, like Braxton Clark. Yeah. Or who who else was the other corner? I'm blanking right Tame now. Lyman? Yeah, Lyman was the next one up there. Uh, so, I mean, the, some of those younger cornerbacks. Before, I think, first three games, uh, especially on Newsom's side, they didn't sub hardly at all. And so I think now if you look, we just talked about the secondary being a – a point of emphasis over these next two weeks, those guys, I think, have as much of opportunity to increase their playing time as anyone. One more that we're missing. Did you? Nobody mentioned Gabe Irvin, did they? Mm. Gabe Irvin's maybe the biggest one of all to me because now, now he's got to be number two. He's in that 2-1. They're going to rotate. You know, Anthony Grant goes two. Irvin will come in at, on the third. That's how they've been doing it, at least, with A.J. Allen. They, mm-hmm. they, they rotate A.J. Allen – not A.J. Allen, but they rotate Anthony Grant out after the – Second yeah, series. AJ Allen's gone, removed from the equation. Right, um, surgery. Um, so now Gabe Irvin m- moves into that number two role. This is gigantic. I mean, I, I'll just say it. this is gigantic for Gabe Irvin. This is where he wanted to be. You, you we talked to him this summer. Mm-hmm. This is this is this is he was not where he wanted to be. He did not. I like Gabe Irvin. Well, he, he you saw him run on on he Saturday. Ran hard, he, yeah. he did run hard. He and he ran like the game was on the line. He did. I mean, I was really he knew, impressed. He knew what that meant. I mean, I, the game was out of reach. He was playing against you know a bunch of backups or whatever. But he he knew what that opportunity was for him, and I thought he showed a lot. Think about the built up anger he had. Yeah, yeah he right. he runs mad. Yeah, he kind of does. Final. He, I liked it. I liked the way he popped off the ground. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was he was ready to roll for the next play. Exactly. All right, final question, Abby. Well, of course, it's the first bye game this weekend. Do you guys have any big plans for your first Saturday off in a while? Let the youngsters go first. <laughs> We're going to Kansas City. It's kind of become a bye week tradition if we can get away with it, and uh, we're going to go down to Kansas City. Um, that sounds fun. Leave Thursday night. Where are you going to go? Overland Park, you know, just plaza shopping. I mean, just let our kids have fun. Find a go kart place or something, and we we joked Kansas plays on Saturday at eleven. It would be kind of fun just to go to a college football game, but I don't know if we'll pull that off or not. Um, How would your girls like that? 
Well, Kit, my oldest, has been to a college game. My, Age? Uh, nine. Okay. And my six-year-old um, has not. So I don't know if we could do it. You might get a quarter out of them. Um, but we'll see. But, yeah, no, we're going to go down to Kansas City, get some barbecue, probably um, get tricked into doing some shopping, and have a good weekend. Yeah. Uh, I know we're going to make up for a lot of lost weekend time with the family, but I also have a very – uh, deep concern that I'll be roped into a whole bunch of home projects. Yeah, uh, a lot of things that I've been putting off and say, well, I can't do it this weekend. I got I to work. Big family yeah, picture weekend. I got I got a game. <laughs> I got a game and then a firing press conference the next day. So I, I can't do anything. No, it's a big family. This will be a big family picture weekend for a lot of people. Lots of fall. Fall Pioneers Park photo shoots. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> gutters. Our gutters are overflowing. We I know I'm going to be doing yeah. that it, probably Friday. You better get up there. Really? Yeah. Simple, you have chickens still, too, right? Yeah. I don't have any major plans. I don't. I wish I did. I've I, I got to write for Sunday, though. I mean, i got to do something. I can't just take the weekend off. I write for Friday and Monday. Yeah. And then we get, well, we'll have stuff for the weekend. But, yeah, it should be a good weekend to um, recharge and after especially I'll the last the last that. two Sundays we've had, mm-hmm. so yeah, Mickey might fire somebody this week. <laughs> yeah, who knows? <laughs> Never All right, off the table. Sun- Sundays are for firings. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Abby, uh, enjoy the volleyball, and uh, we'll see you next week. Always do. All see right, <laughs> much more to come. We'll talk Big Ten football next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N ads.com. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Well, we control our own destiny right now. We have eight conference games left. So we're going we're gonna to get ready. We're going to compete this week against ourselves. Next week we'll get ready for Indiana, but we're still going to take one stop sign at a time. And the stop sign this week is Nebraska. Get Nebraska better. Then next week it'll be Indiana. But they understand what, what, what they can do. We told them today the ball's going to be in your court here pretty soon. It's not what you're going to do with it. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Final segment, Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robin Washett. You just heard Mickey Joseph talking bye week. Uh, bye week also means great chance to watch some football. And as we do in our final segment now every week, we'll talk Big Ten. Um, and let's go through last week. We obviously talked plenty about Nebraska-Oklahoma. Um, Syracuse beats Purdue. They, the Orangemen were slight favorites. Purdue now 3-0. Uh, off to a great start. Wait a second. Purdue, not Purdue, Syracuse. Syracuse, Syracuse is now 3 <laughs> Yeah, Syracuse is now 3-0. <laughs> Aiden O'Connell <laughs> threw for 424 and three TDs in the loss. So, yes, they put up big numbers. Purdue, uh, they did put up big Charlie numbers. Charlie Jones had 11 for 188, yeah. and they lost that game 32-29. So Purdue's a mad one-and-two team right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are a lot of empty yards in that game. Purdue with a loss to Penn State and now a loss to Syracuse. And not a stunning loss, but like you said. Syracuse They're one-and-a-half-point underdogs, yeah, yeah. and they so, lost by three. Right. I still thought Purdue was going to win that game. Yeah, and so, I mean, they have, they're one-and-two, but – they arguably should have beaten Penn State. They needed one final drive to do it, and then you know they come a possession away from winning at a Syracuse team that I think is a little bit better than people thought with the way that they're playing. Mm-hmm. Southern Illinois, who was 0-2 going into Saturday, FCS team, beat Northwestern that's, 31-24. That's the score of the week if you're in Nebraska, along with that Georgia Southern one. I mean, yeah. man. Yeah, that's – you know, Northwestern – 
three and nine last year. Now this is going to be back to back years where they. It looks like they're going to struggle. They, you never know. They could turn it around. It, they don't. It doesn't look like they have the firepower on defense to do it. To giving up thirty one to Southern Illinois at home. Right. I mean, right. Says it all right there. I thought in Ireland that they looked deficient up front. Not on offense. They have a good offensive line. Good. Defensive line, I just thought they didn't have it up front. All right, I want to go through some Big Ten East numbers here. Michigan beat UConn 59-0. They're 3-0. Indiana, who's going to be here next week, beat Western Kentucky 33-30. They're 3-0. In overtime. They're 3-0, though. Um, Rutgers beat Temple 16-14. They're 3-0. Ohio State beat Toledo 77-21. They're 3-0. Penn State went into Auburn and won 41-12. They're 3-0. Maryland beats SMU, who was undefeated going into that game, 34-27. They're 3-0. The only team with a loss in the Big Ten East right now, Michigan State. They lost 39-28 in Seattle to Washington. So think about that. The seven teams... In the Big Ten East, have just one combined loss. Michigan State loses that game at Washington. Really banged up at corner and receiver. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's look at the East division. Loaded. East, it's pretty loaded, especially with Penn State seemingly back on the uptick. Right, mm-hmm. Penn State ran the ball at all. Remember, Penn State last year couldn't run the ball. They couldn't run it. They were one of the worst running teams in the nation last year. They went into Auburn, ran it. They they, they hammered Auburn on the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, Penn State looks like they're kind of back, right? It looks like they're back. They're they're more back than they were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, well, I mean, hey, hey, hold, hold on. Franklin was was eleven and twelve the last two seasons, Rob. Mm-hmm. And he and flirted with the USC, or at least tried to flirt with USC. Mm-hmm. To that point, though, mm-hmm. you go back to week one. I mean, we just talked about how uh, Penn State eked out a win at Purdue. Indiana barely beat Illinois. And so, I mean, you're a couple, you're like two possessions away from that narrative of undefeated East versus loss-filled West. Uh, you know, a couple Rob, plays go differently in, in week one. It's maybe a little bit different conversation. Rob, that's what it's about, though. It I is. mean, these teams are all Finding bunched ways up. to win. Yeah, they're all bunched up. So you, the teams that find ways to win are the ones that we're going to be talking about. I mean, the East is on track, though, to send almost everybody to a bowl game this year, which is amazing. Um, Minnesota, 49-7 over Colorado last week. They're the only undefeated team in the West right now. Mo Ibrahim um, had 23 carries for 202 and three touchdowns. Mm. I mean, do you just get chills thinking about Mo Ibrahim coming in here in November? Yeah, that that might not go well if uh, a lot of things don't get fixed. Well, if they don't fix their tackling, because he'll run right through tackles. But as Colorado you know. is like, you know, talk about Nebraska being in a low spot. Colorado's their AD just issued a statement saying, like, we know how bad we are. Please stick with us. Give us more money. Here's here's how bad Colorado is. They're, I think, now they went into that game allowing over seven yards a carry. They were four touchdown underdogs. Think about allowing seven yards a carry. I mean, that's that's what they're allowing. Nebraska goes to Colorado next year. I mean, that's that's a good draw for a new coach. It really is. I mean, that's a, a good draw for us. And and okay, think <laughs> about it's fun. <laughs> think about all the fans next year that will go out there for that right, game. Yeah. New new coach, new, coach. new blood, new yep. excitement, easy trip. Uh, Wisconsin won sixty six seven. They got back on track. Iowa put up 27 points, stopped How? the presses. How? Uh, 27 points, and um, Omaha Omaha native um, uh, Keegan Johnson came back out there and put up some good plays. 
uh, for Iowa. I believe he scored a touchdown in that game. So uh, Keegan Johnson coming back, that really helped Iowa's offense. Um, but all right, let's move into this week's games. Um, you've got Chattanooga at Illinois, Central Michigan at Penn State, Maryland at Michigan. That's the big noon kickoff game. 3-0 versus 3-0. Michigan has basically played Oklahoma Prairie View. What did Mickey Joseph say? Uh, made a joke about uh, Oklahoma. Oklahoma Panhandle. Panhandle. <laughs> Michigan has you. played Oklahoma Panhandle this year. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> They've played Yukon, Hawaii, and Colorado State. Correct. That's who, that's who Michigan has played. UConn and, and Hawaii might be the two worst teams that, in Division One. That might honestly be the easiest three-game schedule of any team in America. Minnesota would be pretty close. Yep. Though. Yep. Um, right. So, Indiana, Cincinnati. That has speaking my, of a speaking of not much of a pre-conference schedule. Oh, they did play Illinois. Indiana, Cincinnati definitely gets your attention. That does definitely gets your attention. I expect Cincinnati wins that easily. That's a two thirty uh, game on ESPN too. Okay. Minnesota at Michigan State, two thirty BTN Network. Ooh, huge game. That's a big game. Yeah, mm-hmm. huge game. Iowa at Rutgers. That's big. the game. My, big. Should, These hey, are big games. Hey, it's a big game, but it also features arguably the two best punters in all of college football with Tory Taylor from Iowa and Adam Corsack. Nerd alert. <laughs> I'm sorry. Adam what? Adam Corsack. <laughs> Adam from Corsack. Rutgers. Yeah, he's he's like perennial. He's been like an all Big Ten punter the last like seven years. Don't say that about that punter. I'm just giving you a hard time. Um, FAU at Purdue. Um, 19 and a half point favorite right now is Purdue going in that game. Miami of Ohio at Northwestern. What do you think Northwestern's favorite in that game by? Oh, their favorite. Well, I looked, so I'm not going to answer. Okay, I will try this. Northwestern's favored by three and a half. Seven. Seven. Okay. Over no. under 50. That's a that's a 630 game at Ryan Field. That place won't have very many people there. If you need a nap, that'd be a good game. Hey, speaking of over-unders, guess the over-under for Iowa Rutgers. Iowa Rutgers over-under must be low, or you wouldn't be asking yes. me this question. Um, I would say it must be 38. 35. Ooh, 35 and a half. Even lower. It's like the lowest over-under maybe in history. <laughs> if you like punting, tune in. Oh. Pat McAfee will be watching that game. And we have Wisconsin at Ohio State. Yeah, that's a big one. So there's four night games. Like, Gosh. Iowa Rutgers, FAU Purdue, Miami of Ohio at Northwestern, and then Wisconsin, Ohio State. Yeah, you ask me what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be watching football. That's what I'm going to be there's doing. There's four night games, two 230s. Uh, then you got a couple 11 a.m.s. Now, Illinois, Chattanooga, that's a Thursday night game. Oof. So uh, that, that's kind of interesting. Well, nobody I mean, nobody would probably watch that otherwise. Yeah, I know. Good point. But it, it is a really good lineup of games. I think we're going to learn a lot more about the Big Ten. Uh, any final comments, guys, on the bye weekend here as uh, we sit back and watch football? I can't wait. What do you think about Wisconsin being a 17-and-a-half-point dog to Ohio State? Surprises me a little bit, frankly. A little bit. Yeah, frankly. A little bit. I don't think Wisconsin has I know, I, the, the, the firepower, though, to stay with Ohio State. And Ohio State at night. In Columbus. We've seen that nightmare. We've seen it a few times, you don't right? see that number on the wrong end of Wisconsin very often. Right, and that that that's an example of a stadium that's – that's much different at night. We've been there both oh, yeah. eleven a.m. Yeah. We've been there at eleven a.m. and and Nebraska I was almost a, won it. Yeah, and I was astounded by the the number of empty seats. And now, what their writer said: No, this is very normal for those eleven a.m. games. There's ten thousand empty seats for the night games. There are no empty seats. Yeah. All right. Big weekend of football. Make sure you stay on HuskerOnline.com. We'll have complete coverage. Check out our YouTube channel. Subscribe to our podcast channel. We've got great content, all three platforms, HuskerOnline.com, the YouTube channel, and the podcast channel. Thank you again. Everybody enjoy your bye weekend.
Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.